Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. TVP's announcements. This is a series that we have on our network where we give you announcements about upcoming projects and platforms that are entering the crypto ecosystem. Now, this is a disclaimer because we do that now. So, here's the thing this is the presentation of a platform, and that's it. This is an investment advice. Don't take it as investment advice. If you like the platform, seek it out in the show notes. Go there, buy the things, invest in the platform. Help them out with your skill sets. But we're not giving you any recommendations or advice. This is just for you to listen to and soak up some new information about a new platform in this ecosystem. So, please enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bitcoin Podcast's Announcements. Uh, you know it's an announcement because you heard that wonderful music by the absurdist. And uh, we're going to jump right into it like we always do. And today we are joined, joined by the co-founder and CTO of Fetch.ai, Mr. Toby Simpson. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, this, uh, this interview has been a long time coming. We've been planning it for a while. And then we both got a little sick had to put it off but it was here now so uh <laughs> finally um so let's let's just jump right in we we always like to know where the intersection is between who toby simpson was before blockchain or cryptocurrency uh entered his life and he fell down that rabbit hole of awesomeness that is blockchain and, and crypto and cryptocurrency. Um, and so, so what is your origin story? We'll say it like it's a Marvel movie or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I certainly never saw blockchain coming. That's, that's definitely for sure. Um, although <laughs> I have to say, I, I wish I'd known about it a little bit sooner for, for a number of reasons. In fact, a lot sooner as it would have um, changed some of the things that I was doing with virtual worlds. Um, I uh, have been a self-taught programmer really back in the 80s, which just goes to show how old I am. Um, Started off writing adventure games and trying to figure out how to break down sentences into into things that made made sense and found that actually really quite difficult. And something that even today with um, deep neural networks and and so much more is still really, really difficult to do, which is why Siri and Alexa sometimes completely misunderstand um, what, what you ask them. Uh, and then uh, started doing computer games uh, for the Amiga and got very interested in how to manage software complexity. Uh, and uh, the biggest example of that that I had the pleasure of working on is a product called Creatures in the mid to late 90s, which made a biologically inspired reinforcement learning creature um, using models, uh, chemical emitters, receptors, and reactions, and all sorts of lovely biological goodies 
all mixed together to make this this creature that you could breed. But the thing that was really interesting about this creature was that it didn't need to know anything about its world in order to learn how to live in it. And I was kind hmm. of curious as to whether or not that would apply to making large-scale virtual worlds because they're super complicated. Uh, and it did. Um, and uh, you played around with massively multiplayer online game engines using that development philosophy uh, in, in the 2000s, but still wanted to make things bigger and bigger and bigger. And actually, no matter what you do with um, some of these clever bottom-up agent-based um, technologies, in the end, client-server um, approaches where you can't trust the clients and you have to trust only the server sort of come back to haunt you. There's a, a limit to how much you can scale those things. And that's where the intersection with blockchain comes because along come decentralized ledger technology and it suddenly means, well, actually, this isn't a problem anymore. You can make worlds as big as you want and you can fill them with as much as you want. Uh, and that enables an entirely new way of doing things, uh, which is how all of that joins together. Wow, interesting. So so you saw blockchain from the idea of just the tech underlying what powers these tokens and powers all these uh, decentralized applications. The tech could help leverage what you were building with virtual worlds and, and gaming. Well, absolutely. Uh, and, and things like or technologies like blockchain should not be seen in isolation. Um, they don't exist as just a thing. Um, they exist when they're connected to lots of other things. Uh, and, and the conversation that the other co-founders of Fetch and I had been having on and off for, well, a, a good decade or so was, was wondering whether or not um, we could build a world to allow non-human things to get things done, uh, both hardware things and software things. And this is not so much a game as a world in which all this economic exchange can take place between digital entities. Uh, and the problem with the world is there's a lot of things in it. Uh, and, and when you start, when you start um, creating hardware and software things on every piece of data you've got or every piece of hardware, then before, before long, uh, you just can't create the scalability. So actually, we had a problem that we couldn't solve with the technologies that we were aware of, even with some of the innovations that we were coming up with. And, and blockchain or decentralized ledger offered a key, uh, a piece of that puzzle that meant that, well, actually, now we can um, so long as that we can solve some of the problems that, that we would have with decentralized ledgers in this space. Now we can make this work. Uh, and then it became really interesting. Hmm. So that's that's kind of a natural lead in to that's kind of a natural lead in to uh, my next question. And that is the, the fetch.ai saw a unique problem. Uh, and what is that unique problem? And, and how are you solving it or working to solve it better than anyone else? Oh, we want to bring machines and data to life. Uh, and uh, most of today's big problems are very big problems <coughs> involving a very large number of moving parts. Mm -hmm. and, and a traditional top-down approach to managing that is actually really difficult. You know, there's only so many plates that any given individual can spin. Um, and when you look at problems like transportation and uh, supply chains, and logistics, healthcare, hospitality, all sorts of things. Energy is another great example. You see a lot of moving parts. Uh, and, and the problem is that the ability to solve um, any issues that arise um, uh, rests with centralized control rather than the individual itself. And of course, this is one of the promises of blockchain, right? That um, in the end, it, it's a sim it symbolizes the shift in control um, from the centers of the network to the outside. It means that suddenly uh, you're more in control of your staff. Uh, and the value that it might generate. 
Uh, and another way of looking at that is it shifts the ability to solve a problem to the component uh, of the puzzle that's having it. And of course, not all the parts of that puzzle are um, human. In fact, many of them are machines and they don't have a world in which they can get things done. Um, they don't have a world in which they can find each other, cooperate with each other, uh, exchange value uh, and, and figure out um, how to solve problems on behalf of themselves uh, and other people. Uh, and that's what Fetch is. It is this huge decentralized world in which all these digital entities, these representatives of data, things, infrastructure, services, and people can get on and solve problems for you and then deliver those solutions directly to you. And we're using the computing power of, of such a network um, to build trust and prediction information to better connect all these individual component parts so that the distance between um, something that has something and something that wants it is as short as it can possibly be. Mm. And that's that's very interesting because I was looking at your technical introduction in the white paper and it says that Fetch's autonomous agents actively push their value out to those who need it or who unknowingly need it. Like how does it how does it know that how would how does it know what value you need when you don't know what value you need? I think that's very interesting. Yeah, and I have to say that's one of the really cool things about this. And this has been an area where um, we're lucky to have such a fantastic team. Uh, and there's all sorts of uh, really cool machine learning and AI techniques that, that help with things like this. I mean, one such technique, for example, is called a, a semantic hash. Uh, and, and this is related to recurrent neural networks and a bunch of other things where you can take all of the actions that an agent does uh, and the time that it takes to do it. And you can collapse that down to something that allows you to position it in space near what every other agent has been doing. And the ones that are close together are probably related to each other. And that's really cool because you don't need to know the subject matter in question in order to be able to figure out that this particular group of agents or that particular group of agents are likely to be able to want to or need to or might want to exchange value with each other. Uh, and and that's, that's a wonderful way of organizing um, a part of the world or one way of organizing the world in order to sift through what might be hundreds of billions of agents into just the ones that, that are relevant to you. Uh, and we can apply all sorts of combinations of, of, of technology on top of that, because one of the things that we get with um, blockchain type technologies or decentralized ledger technologies is as a result of delivering any of those predictions, we know precisely whether they worked or not, because we can look at the ledger and see if any value was exchanged as a result of them. So the ones that work can be strengthened and the ones that don't work can be weakened. So even the mistakes, the ones where a dimensional collapse uh, results in an error, like, for example, you compress the planet Earth into a disk and Sydney and London are really close together, but they shouldn't be. Um, those accidents can occasionally be uh, good ones. They can be interesting. They can introduce new opportunities to connect markets or agents together that nobody had realized before. Um, so that's kind of neat. And also, of course, it works on the basis that if agents accidentally end up working with each other because they just happen to find each other, then the network will automatically learn about that and then introduce similar agents to each other as well. So you've got all these interesting new intersections between them that are happening. And actually, this is all about presenting a world that's unique to you. We want it so that if you as an agent go into this space, then what you see is everything that's important to you straight away without having to worry about sorting it. Hmm. That's very interesting. I'm trying to find a way to distill it for the audience. I, the way I take it in is that if you're mapping all these data points on the same in the same space, 
then you can kind of measure the distances they are from each other and maybe from other other reference points. And that kind of helps your agents push the value where it needs to go? Absolutely. Uh, and, and we organize this network on a, on a number of ways. And one of the reasons we talk about it been, uh, and I know it sort of sounds sort of Doctor Who sci-fi-ish to say that it's a multidimensional space, uh, but it is. Uh, and on a, a peer-to-peer network, you can connect all of those computers together in a multitude of different ways so that you provide a kind of geography to this space. Uh, and, and one of the problems with the global network as it exists right now um, is that it's, well, I mean, it's hard to believe sometimes, quite honestly, but it is actually optimized for humans to use. It's there to organize all of this information so that we can find it. Uh, but it's absolutely terrible at doing that for machines or for digital entities. Mm-hmm because there's no concept of a space that they can work in. And actually, in a digital space, you don't all want to see the same space. You want to see one that's been optimized just for you, which, of course, you can do um, in in a digital space. So we can organize the actual structure of the network itself um, to provide agents with an ability to move around it, and not just geographically either on economic dimensions like cost or safety or performance. Uh, And that way, agents are able to construct a world that is not only unique to them, um, but presents them most optimally with all of the agents they're likely to be able to exchange value with. Uh, and that's that's particularly cool because it means that all these low-value um, data items, which would normally have never really been used, um, suddenly uh, come into play because Fetch can position them and, and allow them to deliver their value more effectively. So you get much better utilization out of information that would otherwise uh, not do anything at all. And that's great for the individual because, you know, you walk around with um, a a pocket full of useful information um, as a result of carrying around a phone and you drive around in a vehicle that's full of wonderful information and um, none of that value goes anywhere. Um, You're not in a position to collect that value yourself. Um, It's just wasted. Uh, And one of the examples I often use is that if a whole load of people on the same street suddenly put their phones in their pockets, the chances are it started raining. That might be useful to somebody who's just around the corner. Um, and all of those tiny little transactions joined together, all those little value exchanges, they add up. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So so what does the fetch token do for the user? Like what's the user story when it comes to holding the fetch token or using the fetch token? Um, kind of walk us through that. Um. So the reason why the fetch token, of course, exists is that on a network like this, you need to be able to provide the uh, incentive mechanism uh, um, from an architect architectural perspective in order to be able to create integrity on the network itself. So, I mean, this is a fundamental part of making um, these decentralized ledger um, spaces work because you need that incentive mechanism in order to encourage people to uh, play nicely on a network like that, but also to reward those uh, effectively who are providing the capacity and providing the computing resource. So it's it's a fundamental key part of all of this. Um, And of course, it is also the unit of value exchange between agents. Uh, And we needed to do some some pretty, uh, well, we needed to come up with some pretty um, cool new ideas uh, for all of this in order to get the performance that we needed. Because with Fetch, you know, if you buy the weather information or somebody's uh, information from just around the corner, the chances are that's not a high value transaction. It might only be a hundred or two hundredth of a cent 
Um, and it, it, you need the transaction cost to be less than that in order to facilitate that kind of thing. And of course, you need to be able to support vast numbers of these transactions. Um, if, if a solution is presented to you as a user, it may have involved hundreds of little mini transactions between all these little agents um, in order to prepare that for you. Um, so that needs quite a, well, quite a huge performance um, to be able to be pushed through the network to allow that kind of thing to work. And, you know, the thing about tokens and, and cryptocurrency and, and bits and pieces like that is, is in the end, the, with any new technology or any really cool technology, you really, uh, from a user's perspective, you don't really even want to notice it's there. Um, it, it should be it should be so transparent to you that it, it just does things. Uh, and, and this is one of the cool things of building an agent-based system, that in the end, it may well be that you interact with the network in a currency that you're familiar with, and agents are um, there uh, seamlessly translating into the fetch token so that all the many transactions can take place before potentially translating that back for you. Um, so there's all sorts of ways in which people can connect to a network like this and gain from a network like this without specifically having to um, be aware, particularly of the technical um, stuff that's going under the hood. That's a good point you make. It's something that we bring up on our other shows a lot, a lot of the time, and that is a lot of times to the consumer, they don't necessarily need to know what's under the engine. They just want to push the gas pedal and know that the vehicle moves forward, you know, yes. or backward. You know, yes. they just want, <laughs> they just want to know it's working. They don't they don't need to know, you know, what size gasket you used on the headers. They don't they don't want to know, and no. so. It's a very interesting point you bring up. And they shouldn't need to know either. And I, I mean, sometimes this is one of the mistakes that when you're bringing a new technology in, this is one of the mistakes that, that, that you make, right? I mean, we, we've got words for things in the crypto space, um, which don't really make any sense um, to people. Nope. Actually, the, the barrier to entry into this is surprisingly high. Um, uh, it, it takes a while to understand what blockchain is, what it means, what it does, how it could change our lives. And then it takes another while to figure out how to get involved in the space anyway. And while you're busy learning all of that, that's the kind of time when suddenly half a Bitcoin goes missing. And then you have to spend a whole evening crying into a, a bottle of wine over it. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's tough stuff. And, and there's a, a lot of work. And, you know, the whole space is very acutely aware of this and making great, great progress. But there's a lot of work to be done to make this um, uh, easy to get into uh, and, and and easy to understand. Uh, and particularly when you're doing something a bit different like we are with Fetch, which is effectively bringing all these individual component parts to life and letting them solve problems for themselves and for you. Um, we, we want that to be as seamless as possible. In fact, we expect that most people's uh, initial introduction to Fetch will be they'll get the benefits from it without even really knowing that it was there in the first place. Good deal. So let's talk about, uh, I know we just talked about things that uh, maybe uh, people don't need to know what's going on behind the scenes, but there is one thing in particular that kind of like leapt off the the PDF I was reading about your technical introduction. That's this OEF, the Decentralized Life Support for Autonomous, Ag for Autonomous Agents. Uh, what what is the open economic framework? Can we just like could we high level break that down for people that are listening so they understand how it, how it ties into the Fetch network? Yes, um, and we should probably come up with a catchier name as well um, because uh, <laughs> that can be quite a mouthful. Um, yeah, so the open economic framework is the gateway to the digital world. Um, it's the method by which agents connect to Fetch. 
um, and how they find each other, how they perform transactions and how they can explore and move around that space, but also how they can um, access the predictions, the trust information and the collective intelligence that's built up um, by the network. So one way of looking at it is it's an agent's eyes and ears and sense of touch. Um, it's their way of interacting with the fetch space. Mm, okay. That makes it okay. That's that's pretty clear. That's good. That's what I was looking for. Um, so let's take it into other avenues. Do you have, um, as far as like uh, token sales, um, are you doing a token sale public, private? Um, what are kind of the you know de- important dates people need to know about that? Have you reached any milestones that you'd like to announce? What? Uh, oh well, okay, uh, goodness. Um, uh, that, that's a lot of questions in one go. Um, so milestones uh, from let's 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 talk technical milestones first because actually okay. we we've we've had a a, a, um, a a very good year with all of this. So we uh, before we even announced Fetch, we made sure that the key innovations involved in delivering it actually worked, um, and that was that was back in March. So for example, our scalable ledger, um, our ability to do these vast numbers of of transactions, very low value, low cost transactions, but also. Um, enabling a new kind of, of of smart contract type system, and we call the this thing our smart ledger, <coughs> the ability to do very very useful um, machine learning and AI computation on the ledger itself. Now, this is not something that you could do, for example, um, on the Ethereum blockchain, simply because the gas cost would be very very high, and but also because it's not designed to do that, which is fair enough. Um, whereas we're wanting to use um, all of that computing power to build knowledge for uh, all of the the agents on, in, in the world, which includes um, that stuff we were talking about earlier about uh, allowing them, working out which one should talk to which ones, but also all the trust information. So you know um, which, which agents or which transactions are, are likely to go through the way you expect them to. And we've actually just in the last um, week released our, our virtual machine um, uh, code um, to GitHub. Uh, and that is coupled with our um, 50-odd thousand lines of lovingly crafted C++ that drives our scalable ledger, which is also out there for people to see uh, and touch and experiment with. And there'll be a community site coming out soon that will um, better allow people to interact and, and play and create these things and share share what they're making. Um, so all of that's um, going very well. We have a private test network that's up and running right now and has been for uh, a little while. And we've been working with a number of commercial partners to build real agents in in real fields, particularly hospitality, transportation, energy, and now also healthcare, um, to see how these things work, how they behave, and, and and watch what happens when large numbers of agents start interacting with each other. And that private test network over the next few months will become less private and more public, I guess, as we uh, introduce more people to it and connect more agents to it. So that's very, very exciting. Um, seeing the the network grow and the kind of things that that are happening on it grow. Um, From a a token sale perspective, we've already done, um, we did a a private fundraising round earlier in the year, uh, and we have released our um, tokenomics blue paper, which is available on our website, uh, about a month and a half ago. Um, So there is an intention of of doing a um, a, um, public sale. We haven't announced the details of that yet, but there is a whitelist open for those that are the um, particularly interested in, in taking part uh, with it. Interesting. So that was a lot of milestones. 
you're you're not you were you were wrong about that. That's that's a yeah, lot. Sorry about that. Um, been brief is clearly not something I'm particularly good at. Well, well no, it's good for a podcast. People <laughs> people don't like brief with podcasts, or if they do, I'm not one of those type of listeners. So, um, let me but see. Actually, uh, I, this this whole business of delivering all this stuff is actually really important, and I think that part of this whole space um, um, growing and all the wonderful things that everybody's doing in it is 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 showing all of these innovations in a way that people can interact with. Uh, and you know, it wasn't that long ago where. Um, people could raise money based on a sheet of paper and just a couple of words on it. Uh, and I think it's an important um, thing that we're seeing now that uh, uh, as this space matures, that uh, the, the quality of the application, the things that, that so many of us are out there building now is is, is going up. And, and we see regular um, releases of code uh, and um, white papers describing the different parts of the technology as a key part of, of, of showing people what fetch is and how it works, but also allowing them to interact with all the different bits um, as they as they come out. So so you mentioned there was a community portal or a community aspect that you're building out or maybe it's live to allow people to go in and interact with it. Um, can you go into a little more details there? Is it is it live or is it almost almost? Um, and uh, almost, of course, is a wonderful for a word when used in conjunction with software or development. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we, we, we mean almost without narrowing it down. Uh, but we, it's in our best interest to get that out um, soon rather than later, particularly now we've released the virtual machine uh, and supporting um, that with all the documentation which is coming out in the, in the coming days, but allowing people to interact is very, very important. Um, so the very, very moment that is available, um, that will be linked to from our website at um, https uh, forward slash, slash um, fetch.ai, um, which also uh, has uh, other ways of, of talking to us and communicating with us, such as our Telegram channel and, and things like that. But that's where the community website will be uh, released from. Mm-hmm. Okay. So coming soon. That's what that's what we got. absolutely Um, coming very soon (laughs) good deal um so how about right now how would if 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 anyone listening to this is either um sometimes we have developers in our not sometimes we have developers in our audience quite a few uh we have you know some people who like to get involved with the community efforts uh there's definitely people that would want to buy a public token if it were offered but what is the quickest route to get into communication with with someone from your team or with fetch.ai do you have a telegram is it is it slack is it aol instant messenger how are you (laughs) yeah um well there's so many of these things these days uh but um yeah so telegram is is the best one uh where there's a, a lot of us there um and we do pay attention and uh we uh, are there to to talk to the community and talk to people who've got questions about fetch. So that's a, a very easy and quick way. But there's also a multitude of other ways. But they're all linked to from our website. Um, and anybody who's interested in in talking to us about developing things on on fetch, we would very very much like to to, to hear from you. Uh, we know that with a, a space like this, I mean, you know, we're we're busy looking at all the possible applications of this technology. Uh, and what we can imagine is nothing in comparison to what other people will imagine. Um, so getting it into people's hands and, and coming up with a way to allow them to create things as soon as possible is 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 going to be great for Fetch. Amazing. Um, let me see. 
trying to think. So, so instead of talking about just fetch, let's talk about some like general questions about the industry. It's been a long bear market, not really that long. Uh, I don't even know when it officially started, but it feels like it's been eons now. Um, what are some important lessons that you and your team have learned um, this year, which is so starkly different than last year? Do you know what? This is a space that is is very new, and I think that we kind of forget that. You know, it 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 wasn't actually that long ago um, when the original Bitcoin paper came out, um, and we're in a space where everybody is learning and, and finding their feet and discovering new applications for this technology and new intersections with other technologies. Uh, and there are going to be these times where this stuff goes up and this stuff goes down. Uh, and, and that's just the way it, 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 it's going to be. Um, I, I don't think that, because nobody can predict these things, um, things like this, and, and, and it's very difficult to know uh, what, what to take away from it other than um, seeing this as a market that's that's maturing and finding its feet and, and trying new things. And, and, and something that I'm, I'm, I'm often caught saying is I do feel that this is very much like the space, the web space in 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 the mid mid nineties, sort of ninety four, ninety five time, where we all know we're playing with a technology that's going to fundamentally change the way we live our lives. We don't know the details of exactly how that's going to work, uh, and there's a lot of people trying some really amazing things uh, in, in this space, and and uh, some work and some don't. Uh, and in the meanwhile, um, the whole area goes up and the whole area goes down uh, accordingly. And I just see this as part of the the, the natural process of, uh, that we go through as we find um, how best to apply something um, as amazing as, as blockchain type technologies. It's a very good way of surmising this entire space at its current state. So thank well, you. I'll tell you what, that's been good. a scary summer for a lot of people, though, right? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It definitely has been one of those like I'm just not gonna not. Look at how my crypto is doing for a while and just focus on other things. <laughs> so yeah, like, you know what? I think that there's a lot of people in 2008 who did the same things with their stock portfolios. So, yep. uh, and then over time, it all comes back again. Uh, and, and you know, you, every individual makes their own list of the lessons they've learned. And you never quite know whether those will protect you against the next up and down. And, and because this space is so new, I guess the frequency of the, of, of, of the roller coaster ride up and down bits. Um, is just a little bit more often than, than it will be in a few years' time as, as this space matures further. Absolutely. And there's other things that you can look into to give you ease of mind whenever maybe the price isn't. And that is, well, with this industry and specifically, there's one consensus algorithm that kind of fuels it all for now, and that's proof of work. And the hash rate of the proof of work tokens is just growing exponentially. So that's one thing. And then you have just the, the human mind share the amount of developers and high-level professionals that are just leaving whatever, dropping everything they're doing to go work in this industry is is increasing, and that to me is like, oh well, there's definitely a future here that's not yeah. going away. So, you know, well, it's it's something that it's it's what it symbolizes um, that that's important. It, it's giving you the individual control over your stuff and the value that it generates. It's taking that away from an increasingly fewer um, centralized entities uh, and distributing the load of being able to solve problems. And that also means distributing the results of, of all of this and all of this knowledge and all of this intelligence 
um, that is built as a result of things communicating on a network can be shared to all of the users. And that, with coupled with things like self-service trust, potentially changes the role of some of these intermediaries in the economy. Uh, and, and everybody's um, so excited about this space because of these kind of things. Um, that, and, and, and that's why we sort of ignore the ups and downs to a certain extent, except for the bit where you just don't look at your, your, your wallet for a few days. Um, because in the end, uh, it enables these, these incredible applications um, that just simply would not have been possible before. And that's just very, very exciting. It's, all, it's extremely exciting. It's why I've been doing these shows for three and a half years now. So um, I, guess, I guess I have one last question on this show that I like to ask. Um, it didn't. It wasn't my favorite question at first, but it's kind of growing on me now. And that is, is there anything that you had wished that I'd asked you that I didn't? Oh, oh, yes. Now that that is a good question. Um, uh, and 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 actually, I, I I'm not sure. Um, I, I sort of feel like there was the. I guess if there was one thing that I didn't didn't really um, uh, talk about was, uh, and just and, and I'll try and keep it mercifully brief. Um, is that one of the things with, with something like um, the way in which stuff works right now is that let's say, just to think of the way round that, that Fetch turns things, is that uh, normally it's uh, human to one individual <coughs> machine is the kind of interaction that takes place. So, you know, you go online or whatever and you book um, a flight or you do this or you do that. Um, what's different in the way that Fetch, uh, and I'm sure other um, people looking into this approach uh, is doing, is it turns that inside out. Um, it's it's machine to machine. It's mm-hmm. it's having thousands of digital representatives all running around solving problems and and building knowledge and information to deliver solutions directly to you. It's like having the red carpet rolled out in front of you, uh, and and at the same time been entirely in control. Of, of all of your information, uh, and and I think that 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 ability for all of these things to to get on and solve problems on on your behalf and on their own behalf is 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 what's really um, the the key exciting thing for me about Fetch. I like the sound of the red carpet being rolled out in front of me wherever Don't- I go. <laughs> I do like the sound of that. Given that given that so much of life feels like pushing square pegs through round holes these days. Um, another thing I'm fond of saying is that, you know, with all this computing power, you sort of feel like some of these problems shouldn't be so hard to solve. Uh, and, and you have to do all the work all the time. I mean, it's just insane. Uh, and, and you shouldn't have to do all the work. Um, you shouldn't have to use five different apps in order to solve one problem. Um, all digital representatives attached to all of those things should have worked together to solve that problem for you and then just deliver you a solution. Um, most of the problems that we have in our day-to-day life, you shouldn't even knew, um, know existed. They should have been solved for you. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, we can end on that note, Toby. Um, if you want to do one last plug for everyone listening and you know where to find you, uh, how to communicate with you, I think it's all on the website, right? Fetch.ai. Um, it is indeed, and fetch.ai is exactly the place to go. And links through to Twitter and Telegram. Um, come and talk to us. If you're interested in getting involved in Fetch, if you want to get the code, you can. It's on GitHub. That's also linked from our website. Uh, and then come and talk to us about your ideas, and, and we'd love to, to, to hear what you're thinking of. All righty. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs>